0: Welcome to the John Campia Podcast, episode 20 for Monday, May the 9th, 2016. This episode of the John Campia Podcast is sponsored by geekfeed.com. Stuff your geek hole. Hey guys, on this episode of the John Campion Podcast, we're going to talk about the effect that the negative buzz on Batman vs. Superman had on Civil War. Speaking of Civil War, we're just going to talk about the movie a little bit. My thoughts on Game of Thrones, Season 6, Episode 3, Alden, Aaron Reich is our new Han Solo, and a whole bunch more. So thanks for joining me. Sit back, relax. The John Campion Podcast starts right now. Well, hey there, guys, and welcome to the newest installment of the John Campia Podcast, episode 20 already. My, how the time has flown. Uh wasn't a podcast last week. As most of you guys know, last week was the launch of my brand new show, Film HQ, on the new Comic-Con HQ network, which launched its beta this weekend. I've had a lot of people asking me, Uh, Where do we find the show? Where do we find the show? Is it going to be on YouTube? Uh, Where do we find it? No, it's not going to be on YouTube. This is a Comic-Con HQ exclusive show. You can find it on Comic-Con HQ. Now, eventually, for all those of you guys who have been asking me, Comic-Con HQ will be available on Xbox, on PlayStation, on Roku, on Apple TV, on Amazon Fire TV, um, on all those things. But it's just in its beta right now, so those things are going to be rolling out as they go. Right now, they just launched... And you can find all the shows on the website at uh, comic-conhq.com, or you can download the Android or iOS apps on either your phones or your tablets, and you can find those in your reflective, uh, respective uh, play stores. Now, <clears throat> the channel is free between now and just after Comic-Con. And, of course, they're going to be streaming, like, all the panels on Comic-Con HQ as well from Comic-Con. So the channel is free. Uh, Alan Tudyk, who had launched his new show on there already, myself, Adam Sessler already launched shows on there. Uh, and then once it becomes a pay channel, it is, hold on to your seats, $5 a month for everything. It's five bucks a month for it. So less than the cost of a cup of coffee at Starbucks, you get a month's worth of Comic-Con HQ. Uh, I certainly think it's a deal that's well worth it or else I wouldn't have joined up with them to do this thing. I hope you will too. And so, like I said, between now and uh, Comic-Con, you can watch all the shows on there for free and then you can decide for yourself if you think, hey man, this channel is totally worth the $5 a month to get all of this. Or you can say, you know what? The channel's not for me. And I'm not going to be signing up for the pay version of it. You've got like two months to decide that. So go on over to Comic Con HQ and check it out. And check out my new show, Film HQ. Um, Had such a good time doing it. I've been working for, gosh, um, two months on getting this show launched. And I was so happy with the results. And I'm so thrilled with the group of people I have. Uh, Chloe Dykstra was on our first episode. Whitney Moore. Uh, John Schnapp, uh, Jason Inman, myself, Josh McCouga, Halet Alamu. Uh, it was just a very good time, and we had a we had a great time making it. So thank you to all of you guys who've already checked out the show and have been sending me uh, encouragement. I really appreciate it. But anyway, so last week was the final week because we launched the new show on Friday. And I just didn't have a chance to do a podcast at all. But we are back now, ladies and gentlemen. Got a few things I want to talk about and go into here. The first thing I'm going to talk about uh, is really, is this, and this isn't in a good order, but since this is the biggest thing I want to talk about, I figured I would do it first. So Captain America Civil War opened this weekend. And for those of you who heard my review, you know I think it's a magnificent film. Just flat out magnificent. I think it's a wonderful movie. I've already seen it three times. I'm probably going to go see it a fourth time later today. With uh, a few of my uh, staff, looking forward to seeing it again. And it opened as the fifth biggest all-time opening box office ever. To uh, I think the last time I checked, it was 181 million dollars. So let's just go with that. Maybe it'll be adjusted up a little bit. Maybe it'll be adjusted down a little bit. For now, let's just go with that number: 181 million. So it opened to 181 million, and that's a fantastic number—the fifth biggest all-time box office opening in the history of film. Uh, It did great. It's a hundred, like most films would kill, kill to make $181 million in their entire theatrical run. This movie made it on its opening weekend. So that is impressive. No doubt, make no mistake about it. Buoyed up by the great word of mouth, buoyed up by the great critical response, uh, buoyed up by a lot of those things. It's a fantastic result. Now I told you guys before, I thought the 160 plus million that Batman v Superman made is a great result. Was it what they wanted? No. Could it have been better? Yes. But 160 plus million dollars is a really good result. I don't care what. Like, there are people out there who tried to spin that on Batman v Superman as a flop. Give me a break. That is hyper, hyper trying to spin a situation to fit your own preconceived notion. Uh, 160 plus million dollar opening weekend for any film is a hit film. It just is. Sorry. And then some tr- people trying to massage the math of the box office to make it look like Batman versus Superman lost money. No, it did not lose money. It made money. It made lots of money for Warner Brothers. I, I, again, as much as they wanted, no. As much as it could have, absolutely not. But it was still big. And now we come to Captain America Civil War. We got the same thing. We got people trying to spin it that the fact that it didn't open to $200 million is somehow some kind of failure. And all I can do is just quietly laugh at those people. I mean, that's all I can do. 180 plus million dollar opening weekend, fifth largest opening in film history um, is fantastic. Now, that being said, could it have done better? And I'm going to say emphatically, yes, it could have done better. Because, number one, it is a fantastic movie. Number two, it is the a continuation of a very successful franchise. Number three, it has incredible fan word of mouth. And then number four, it has incredible critic ratings. And no doubt, all of those things went into it getting as high as $180 million. But I contend it could have, and on its own, in a vacuum, should have done more. Why? Because of something I've been saying... For a couple of years now. And that is this. You want to know what stopped Captain America Civil War from crossing $200 million? You want to know what stopped it from doing that? And remember, 180 plus is magnificent. People at Disney should be throwing a party right now. Because this movie is going to make huge bank. And because of that great word of mouth and because of that great critic response, it's going to hold up. It's going to have legs of the box office. You watch. That being said... It could have done better, yes. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are several factors, but the main culprit that stopped Captain America Civil War from doing even better than it did, because it's done great, but what stopped it from doing even better was the fan and critic response to Batman vs. Superman. I've been saying this for years. Look, you remember I said on this very podcast a few episodes ago, I said... Marvel and DC have a symbiotic relationship in the movie market right now. They are the main players in the comic book genre. And you remember I read that one quote from Henry Cavill, who was absolutely right. Superman himself, who was absolutely right. He said, look, I like Marvel films and I want them to do well, said Henry Cavill of DC. He said, I want Marvel films to do well because if Marvel is doing well, that means the comic book genre is doing well. That means DC will do well. And he was absolutely 100% right. I have been saying that for a long time. And I said, when Batman vs Superman, remember, I'm one of the, I like Batman vs Superman. So I'm talking about other people. Me, I liked it. I gave it a positive review. I saw it multiple, multiple times in theaters. I'll probably see it again before it ends its run. I really enjoy the film. It's a, it's not a perfect film. has its problems, absolutely. But you know me, I thought the good of the film outweighed the bad. But not everybody felt that way. All right. As a matter of fact, an awful lot of people felt differently than I do about the film. You're probably one of them. The critic response was very harsh. And when you go into the chat boards too, you see that the fan response was also pretty harsh. Generally speaking, people did not like Batman vs Superman. I'm in the minority. I did. But I understand that a lot of people didn't. And... After the first week of Batman vs Superman in theaters, we saw that huge drop off. Now you got to remember, whenever a film makes 150 million dollars or more opening weekend, you have to expect a larger than normal drop off in week two because that huge opening weekend means a hell of a lot of awful an awful lot of people went to go see it already and don't need to see it on week two. You know, if Batman versus Superman had made $100 million opening weekend, you would have seen a much, 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 much smaller drop-off on week two, because that means a lot of people still had to go out and see it. Whereas in its case, it made 160 plus, Captain America Civil War had like a 180 plus, so you're going to see a 50 plus percent drop-off next week, but it's not going to, be, I don't think it's going to be 60% drop-off, and I don't think it's going to be a 70% drop-off, because the word of mouth for Captain America Civil War is so positive. But after that first week of Batman versus Superman, and we saw the scathing critical reviews, and we saw the scathing fan reviews, to be quite frank, that so many of the fans didn't like it, I remember saying, this is going to hurt Captain America Civil War. Why? Because the average film fan, and we forget, being in the online movie space, we forget that we are a small percentage of the overall movie-going audience. Idiots like me who do these types of podcasts and people like you who will listen to these types of podcasts, we have to understand that we are in the minority of the film fan community. The majority of film fans are more casual film fans that don't follow movie blogs or movie YouTube shows or podcasts or what have you. So we have to keep that in mind. And what? remember, the average film fan doesn't care about our petty little DC versus Marvel squabbles. They're so stupid, by the way. But anyway, the casual film fan doesn't care about that. They don't care that one film has the DC logo on it and another film has the Marvel logo on it. They just look up and they say, hey, a big superhero film. And I've been getting so many people writing to me and tweeting to me from the more casual film fan base saying over the past few weeks, and I've mentioned this, I don't know, John, if I'm going to go check out Civil War. I mean, I saw Batman versus Superman and it, it I was I was really bored by it or or I didn't like Batman versus Superman. So, I don't know that I want to go check out Civil War. I mean, I just went to go see two giant superheroes fighting each other movie just a couple months ago and it let me down. Why should I run out to the theater and see the next giant superheroes fighting each other movie in the theaters? Why should I do that? We saw so many and I'm I'm sure many of you had those same conversations with people. You've heard people say that yourselves. The average film fan doesn't care about DC versus Marvel. All they care about was the last time we went to the movie. And I've said on this podcast, nobody was cheering for Batman versus Superman to do well more than Kevin Feige was. The head of Marvel. He wanted Batman versus Superman to be a big critical hit and a big fan hit. Yes, he wanted Civil War to be a bigger critical hit and a bigger fan hit, sure, but he wanted Batman vs. Superman to be a big hit with the critics, and he wanted it to be a big hit with the fans. Why? Because if people went to go see Batman vs. Superman, and if more of them had the reaction that I did, where they liked it, if more people liked it and loved it and had a fun time, then they'd come out of that and go, wow, that was great, I can't wait to see like the next one. And like 2 months later, here comes Captain America Civil War. Another movie about big giant superheroes fighting each other. Hey man, I just went to go see a movie like that and it was great and I had a fun time. I'm going to go check this one out. Kevin Feige knows this. And that's why Kevin Feige and the filmmakers at Marvel, including the Russo brothers and uh uh you know Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and all those guys, they were all cheering. You Bet your ass. they were cheering for Batman versus Superman to have a great critical and a great fan response. Now, unfortunately, people like me were in the minority. The people like me who liked Batman versus Superman, we were the minority. The majority of people didn't like the film. The majority of critics did not like the film, and it left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. And I said after the first week, this is going to affect this is going to affect Captain America's Civil War. And it shows because, you know, there were some tracking numbers that suggested, hey, Captain America Civil War it hit 205, 210 opening weekend. And all that was totally within the realm of possibility. Those types of numbers could have happened. They absolutely could have happened, but they didn't. Despite the fact that they had great critical response, despite the fact that it has really positive fan word of mouth, despite the fact that it had a very solid marketing campaign didn't hit those numbers. Now, look, If it didn't have great critical response and it didn't have great fan reaction and it didn't have such a great marketing campaign, the movie probably would have made 140, 150, 155. However, it did have great critic fan uh, responses and it got all the way up to 180, a fantastic number by any measurement. It did great. But as some people are asking the question, well, why didn't it cross $200 when a lot of people thought it had the chance? Some people are erroneously going out there and saying, oh, it's superhero fatigue. Nonsense. There is no superhero fatigue right now. If there was superhero fatigue, then some little unknown comic book title by the name of Deadpool coming out rated R wouldn't have been such a huge smash success that exceeded all the expectations exceeded all the expectations if there was such thing as comic book fatigue and don't don't get me wrong at some point in the future that'll happen at some point but i don't think it's going to be for the next couple of years but if it was a result of comic book fatigue then we wouldn't have seen this all of a sudden great smash hit out of like r-rated comedy kind of deadpool thing it wouldn't have happened now, I'm sure like I said at the beginning, there are several factors that went into Captain America Civil War not crossing the 200 million mark. Again, 180 is fan freaking tastic Um but it could have crossed 200 million and there are several reasons why it didn't, but I still contend that the absolute main culprit of it not crossing 200 million on its opening weekend is the fact that so many critics and fans didn't like Batman versus Superman. And we forget what kind of effect that has on the average film-going community that doesn't follow all the things we talk about here all the time. They care about what you think about Marvel, what you think about DC. They just know. They went and checked out Batman vs Superman. They didn't like it. And it turned them off to seeing Civil War. It's just that simple. Now, it still did great. It still did fantastic. It's going to have a great second week. And it's going to have a great third week. And it's going to have great legs because of the positive word of mouth that's going to go out from all the fans. But do not Delude yourselves. The Batman versus Superman had an effect on it. DC and Marvel have a symbiotic relationship here. They need and want each other to do well because that makes the entire ball game better for everybody. I don't like to fall back on cliches, but I've said it before. A rising tide raises all ships. And if one you know, if the tide doesn't come in and raise it up for one, that means the others aren't being raised up either. So look, are they absolutely 100% reliant on each other? DC and Marvel? No, absolutely not. But I still contend and I contend wholeheartedly that we would have seen a better result out of uh, civil war had Batman versus Superman been received better. Uh, it's just the way I see it. Well, listen, speaking of civil war, uh, you know, I already gave my review online, so I'll just talk about this for a second, but I've already seen the film three times now. I, I just adore this movie. Uh, I absolutely adore the movie. I'm probably going to go see it for a fourth time today. Um, everything from the dramatic elements to the action um, to, you know, the, the the moments of humor that are peppered in so well. The performances given by Chadwick Boseman was a standout for me, but Chris Evans carrying this movie uh Robert Downey Jr. I think his his portrayal as Tony Stark just gets more and more nuanced and better and better and better every time we see it. They are allowing the characters to evolve. Cuz like I said many times in a lot of the reviews, Chris Evans's Captain America is a far different character today than he was in Captain America the First Avenger. Uh Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark is a completely different Tony Stark than we've had, than he was in Iron Man One, and so like they've just done all these things right, and I'm just so impressed with the film. It's going to have great legs, and it's just going to keep rolling. Hopefully, you guys have had a chance to see it. Uh, if not, what are you waiting for? Get out and see it. You're going to absolutely love this film. Um, moving on to my third topic. So, look, I have always said I am not the biggest Game of Thrones fan in the world. I am a I'm a Game of Thrones fan. But I'm by no means one of these Game of Thrones super fans. Uh, I'm just not that guy. I, I like the show. I've enjoyed it. I watched every episode. but like I'm not like wearing GOT t-shirts or things like that, right? And, and to be honest, I thought last season was a little bit of a letdown. I thought it just nothing happened. I just kind of felt like but you know other people may feel differently. That's cool. I'm just saying to me it last season was a letdown. but I've watched the first two episodes of this season. And I have fallen in love with season six of Game of Thrones. I really think they have just, they just started this season in stride. You know what I mean? I have just loved this season so far. So I was really excited about episode three last night, especially, now this is a minor spoiler, but you know, if you don't know what I'm about to say, then you're not a Game of Thrones fan anyway. So this won't affect you, but you know that the end of episode two, ends with Jon Snow coming back to life. So I was super excited to see what they're going to do in episode 3 with that information. So episode 3 came and I got to tell you guys other than a couple of a couple of shining moments I was let I I wasn't that big of a fan of episode 3. I don't think it was a bad episode, not at all. I'm not please don't please don't think I'm bashing episode 3. I'm not. I'm just saying You know, the bar was set so high with episodes one and two that, I I don't know, I just kind of, three kind of, it was a filler episode. And look, if you're Arrow or you're Supernatural or you're one of these other network shows that has 22, 23, 24 episodes a season, you can be forgiven now and again for filler episodes. I mean, try to still make them entertaining as you can. But understand you're just bridging the gap between certain bigger episodes. And that's cool. But when you're Game of Thrones, and you only have 10 freaking episodes a season, you don't get to have filler episodes. I'm sorry, but when you have less than half of what other shows do, then in a season, you don't get to have filler. You have given up your excuse for having filler episodes. And again, last night's episode was not a bad episode. I still liked watching it. I don't regret spending some time on my Sunday night watching it. I'm not saying that at all, but you crushed it so hard with episodes one and episodes two that it, I don't know. Look, and not every episode has to be fireworks. You don't need fireworks every single episode. I'm not suggesting that, but it really felt like the entire thing. And by the way, this Daenerys storyline, this Khaleesi storyline, boring, yawn, oh my god, it's just painful to watch. I do not care about this, oh, the Dothraki have Daenerys back, and oh, they're going to put her in the temple for the widows. I don't care. I love the character. You did some amazing things. She was probably one of the highlights of season Five and you know I wasn't all that big on season five, but it had its highlights, and she is one of the highlights of season five. I really like this character; she's probably my second favorite character, uh, my second favorite lead character at any rate, next to uh, Tyrion Lannister. But I I don't know, man. I I mean, just last night's episode just kind of felt like it was just going through the motions. The one significant thing happened was that you know the the other the missing Stark boy uh, is now in custody. And that's... Okay, that was a significant moment. But again, it was a moment. And I I just hope they pick it back up in episode four. Because once again, this is a series that only has 10 episodes a season. You're not one of these other shows that has 22, 23, 24 episodes a season. You don't have the excuse of the super long season to have slow filler episodes. You don't get to do that when you're Game of Thrones. So... Bad episode? Absolutely not. But did I feel let down after how the high quality of the first two episodes? Yeah, honestly I was. So and again, that's not to say there weren't some really good things in the episode. There were. Um, you know, the whole let's play a game scene was was pretty entertaining. That was cool, but just for the most part, and again, please, please, I hope they end this um this Khaleesi widow. Uh, storyline they got going i hope they end this pretty soon because i am bored to tears with it already all right let's go on to uh the next topic here this made the rounds uh, last week i believe it was thursday night the news came out the search is over but in reality we all know the search was over months ago they just didn't announce it but alden Ehrenreich is now our new han solo and I believe this is the name that I picked about a month and a half ago. I believe I, I called that I wanted uh, Alden Ehrenreich as the guy. Super happy to see him get the role. Don't get me wrong. I would have been totally cool and totally fine to see uh, uh, Taryn Edgerton get the role too. A lot of people thought he might have been the front runner. I would have been totally happy with him. But the one, especially after seeing Hail Caesar... The one I really wanted to get that role was Alden Ehrenreich and he got the role and I think he's going to be a terrific Han Solo. And I just hope that fans don't just expect or hope for or want whoever got to be the new Han Solo to just walk in and do a Harrison Ford impersonation. That wouldn't be any good for the movie. That wouldn't be any good for the character and it wouldn't be any good for the actor. I want Alden Ehrenreich to come in here and with Lord and Miller decide what what are some of the key traits, personality traits of Han Solo that we want to make sure is in this new Han Solo and capture those. But then at the same time, let Alden Ehrenreich just create his own version of Han Solo. Even Harrison Ford said that's the best way to go. Harrison Ford, when asked, what what advice would you have for the guy to play the new Han Solo? And Harrison Ford said, make it your own. Make it your own. Don't just try to do a Harrison Ford impersonation, because that's going to come across as cheesy. And look, there's no getting around it. Alden Ehrenreich, or whoever got cast as Han Solo, is going to be compared to Harrison Ford. There's no getting around that. That's going to happen. We understand that. But... If you decide to do your Harrison Ford as just, I'm just going to try to imitate Harrison Ford playing Han Solo. If your Han Solo is just an imitation of Harrison Ford, then the comparisons to Harrison Ford will never stop. The entire movie will be a comparison to you and Harrison Ford. Whereas I think, and I've mentioned this in, in, uh, in other shows as well. I think if he takes the approach of Chris Pine... That Chris Pine and J.J. Abrams took to Captain Kirk, where it's like, you know what? There are a couple of the personality traits of Captain Kirk we want Chris Pine to have. But we do not want Chris Pine to do a William Shatner impersonation. Make it your own James Kirk. And he did. And now Chris Pine has his own, you know, interpretation, if you will, of James Tiberius Kirk. And it worked. If he had just tried to play William Shatner and and do a William Shatner. I do a horrible William Shatner, by the way. Uh, If he just tried to be William Shatner playing uh, James C. Kirk, it wouldn't have worked. It just wouldn't have worked. And that's the approach that Lord and Miller have to take with uh, Alden Ehrenreich with this new Han Solo. Make it your own Han Solo. Don't just do Han Solo impersonation. Don't just impersonate the Han Solo from the other movies. Capture the key qualities that you need, but then make it your own. And if he does that, then I think we will, by nature, be comparing him to Harrison Ford for the first five five minutes or so, but then we're just going to start evaluating him as himself, as his Han Solo, and we're going to judge his Han Solo on its own merits. I think we'll do that, whereas if he just tries to do impersonation, we're going to end up just comparing him to Harrison Ford the entire movie. And nobody wants that. All right, folks, we're going to take a break here for a second and thank our sponsors for this episode, GeekFeed.com. GeekFeed.com, the world's greatest dedicated geek news feed, providing you with fresh, juicy, up-to-the-minute breaking news and shareable content on all things geek. It's the place to get your geek fix. They eat and sleep nothing but geek, scouring the interweb, or serve up some seriously tasty geek nuggets. So get ready to cram every orifice with the very latest from the world of comics, games, TV, and movies. Chow down on the funniest vines and memes, feast your eyes on the latest trailers, posters, and fan art. And make sure to connect with GeekFeed.com across all their social media platforms at GeekFeed.com. That's at GeekFeed, D O T C O M. And we want to thank GeekFeed.com for their support of the John Campia podcast. All right, guys, and we are back. Uh, and again, special thanks to GeekFeed.com for making the John Campy Podcast possible. Well, guys, it's time for us to go to your Twitter questions. And once again, this is how you get a Twitter question on the John Campy Podcast. Just hop on Twitter and tweet out a question using the hashtag TJCP, the John Campy Podcast. So tweet out a question with the hashtag, hashtag TJCP. That way I can see your question and maybe you'll get your question picked to be on the show. And the first question we're taking today comes from Young Legend1234, who writes Hey, John, what do you think about the Infinity War movies being retitled and being two standalone stories? Well, thanks a lot for the question, Young Legend. Uh, and yeah, yeah, this, I'm, forgive me if I get a little bit hot under the collar on this one. Okay, guys? All right. But uh, I got to pull something out here couple years ago, this story came out that said, and some of you have been following me for any period of time, will remember this. And sorry, but this has been eating at me and I just got to put this out there. And a story came out that, hey guys, the next Avengers movie is going to be split in two. Actually, they're going to split it into two. Avengers three is going to be split in two. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're not splitting it in two. All right, They're going to make two new movies, but they're not splitting Avengers 3 into two movies. This isn't like the final novel of the Harry Potter franchise that was one thing, and then the movies took that and split it into two. This isn't one of those situations. There was never going to be an Avengers 3 and just an Avengers 3, and then they looked at it and thought, wow, there's too much here. Let's split it into two. That was never the case. And I said, I knew for a fact... and I did, and I tried to tell this to people, I knew for the fact that they had always planned the next two movies, that there were always going to be two movies next. There was never a thing that was getting split into two. And then the announcement came that they had announced that the next two Avengers films are going to be called Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. And I got so much shit from people saying, I ah, see, Campia, you were wrong. They split it into two. And I say, no, they didn't split into two. There was always planned, there were two separate movies. They had always planned as two separate movies. As a matter of fact, Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2 weren't even the original titles, but they just named them this. And then I got all this shit from people saying, Campia just can't admit when he's wrong. No. I get on my shows all the time say, holy crap, I thought this and it turns out to be that. Like I I actually love being <laughs> wrong because being wrong means I got a pleasant surprise. Um, but people say, Oh, see, he just can't admit he's wrong. You just can't admit you're wrong. See, it's Infinity War Part One and Two. So it was always it's a it was one thing that was split into two. And that has and I try to tell people, look, I know for a fact these were always planned as two separate movies. This was never something that was split into two. This was one movie. But I just eventually had to stop saying it because it was getting nowhere. And all these people freaking writing me on Twitter and on Facebook and comment sections saying, See, Gabby, you were wrong. You just can't admit when you were wrong. Just admit it. You were wrong. Well, now fast forward to May of 2016. Joe Russo, one of the Russo brothers, the directors of Captain America Winter Soldier, Civil War, and the upcoming new Avengers films, has come out and said that they are renaming those movies. They are renaming Avengers Infinity War in part one and part two. They're changing the names because, and this is a direct quote from Joe Russo, those titles are misleading. This was never one movie that was split in two. Joe Russo said this, the movies are two very different movies said Joe Russo. To just name it, that would be misleading. So basically, the Russo brothers come out and said, what I've been freaking telling people for years, and they just didn't want to listen, that this movie, these next two movies, were never one thing that was split in two. It was never that. There was always a plan for two completely separate Movies. Now, of course, all the movies in the MCU are tied together. They're all tied together. And thus, these next two Avengers films will clearly be tied together. Absolutely, they will. But all the films in the MCU are tied together. But I tried to tell people this was not a movie that was just being split in two. This is not a matter of semantics, all right? There were two distinct movies planned. And then they happen to name it Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. And for years, I have had, to this day, I still, well, not anymore this week, but I still, I swear to God, I still get like at least once or twice a week, people will still write to me say like if I'll say an opinion on something, they'll go, yeah, but you're the same guy who wouldn't admit that the next Avengers movies are split in two. Like I still get that to this day. And, you know, eat it. (laughs) eat it because joe and anthony russo just have confirmed what i have been telling you the whole time and what a lot of a lot of people knew too i I don't want to act like i was the only person who knew this there are lots of people who knew this and who understood this uh but uh hey you know i've probably gotten about five thousand messages over the years from people you know trying to shove it to me because hey no the Avengers movies have been split in two and I keep telling them it's not I now patiently await the apologies uh from everybody who was telling me I was lying and everybody who's telling me uh, because because when I tell tell people look I spoke to somebody at Marvel I know for a fact these are already these are planned as two separate films they people just straight up called me a liar so now that Joe and Anthony have come out and let people know, no, no, we got to change this. These are two different movies. The, the title of Infinity Part 1 and Part 2, making it Part 1 Part 2, is deceiving. It's misleading. Uh, we're going to change the names of them. Look, look, they might change it and still call something Part 1 and Part 2, and that's cool. But these were always planned as two separate films. This was not one film that was split in two. And really, at the end of the day, it's just the titles of the movie. It's not that big of a deal. I know it's not. The only reason I'm getting all twisted up about it is because even though it's not that big of an issue, it's not that important of an issue. The only reason I'm getting all twisted up about it is, guys, you have to understand because you're not me. You don't see my inbox. The amount of shit I have taken over the years, ever since that thing came out. About how I'm lying, uh, the, you know. No, these. This was one, just one movie that they just decided was too big, so they split it into. And I kept telling people, no, it's not. And all the shit I got for it, it just feels kind of good. And the only reason I'm making a big issue out of it, and I shouldn't make a big issue out of it. So anybody out there who's getting ready to type a comment saying, oh, John, you shouldn't be making such a big deal out of this. I get it. No, really, I shouldn't. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a personal thing for me because of all the abuse I took and all the shit I took um, for for this whole thing. It it reminded me a lot of when I I called it. I said, look, this Halo film isn't going to happen. Remember way back in the day when Peter Jackson was going to do that thing? I says not nah, and all the shit that I took and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, anyway, it's not that big of a deal. It's just the titles of the movie. It doesn't really signify all that much. It's just that this is an issue that, that I've taken a lot of abuse for over the years. And it just kind of feels good to be vindicated. But of course, those 5,000 people who wrote all those incredibly insulting and insensitive and horrible things to me are not now going to look me up and write me back saying, Hey, John, sorry about that. Turns out you're right. They're not going to do it. I understand that. So I just got to, I just got to relish. Uh, in the vindication for just a second. So just give me that moment, okay? Because, like I said, I've taken a beating over that issue over the years. Anyway, and you know what sucks? Here's the thing that sucks. I am wrong about, about, I'm a human being. I'm wrong about so many different things. And I love getting on the show and say, hey man, I said Star Trek was going to suck and it's awesome. Or I, I said I thought this new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was going to be awful. And boy, was I wrong. Like, I, I, I there's enough of those things. That I hate being called wrong when I'm not, because I got enough it, it, legit things that I'm wrong about that I have to deal with. But anyway, um, so that thanks a lot for the question, young uh, legend. Let's move on to the next thing. Uh, Nolan Hiddink writes, hi, John, do you think that Chris Nolan has a good shot of winning an Oscar with Dunkirk? Well, I mean, it's like I said, with anything, any director of any movie coming out has a shot at winning an Oscar. They all do. Do I think he has a good shot of winning an Oscar? Well, it's it's kind of more Oscar Beatty kind of material than and by Oscar I don't mean Oscar Beatty as a bad thing. I don't. I just it's it's kind of more material that kind of goes more in line with what the the winning films usually do um, and all that kind of stuff. But but honestly, dude, we're asking a question. Do I think Christopher Nolan has a good shot of winning an Oscar with Dunkirk? We we haven't seen the movie, man. I don't know. I mean, for all, like this could either be his next memento, or it could be one of his less successful films. I, 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 it's, I just don't know. It, Christopher Nolan is one of the best in the business. So anytime Christopher Nolan directs a movie, you have to wonder, hey, maybe this could be his year. Because he's that good of a director that whenever he does a film, you have to consider that he'll be one of the guys in the race for best director. It's certainly good source material for him to be working on. But until we see the movie, it's really difficult for me to say, hey, this is going to be his year. I I mean, I simply don't know. I simply don't know. All right. Let's move on now to the next question from Sith Lord Thrash, who writes, Hey, John, who are your favorite current MMA fighters? And who comprises your pound for pound top three? Oh, well, my all-time favorite MMA fighter is still George St. Pierre. That guy was a pure, born, mixed martial artist. I mean, he could beat you in 15 different ways. He was, first of all, he was the best wrestler in uh, the UFC. A lot of people forget that. But, you know, he, I would never forget, he went up against Josh uh oh damn what was josh's last name the blonde uh black dude with blonde curly hair uh, i forget josh's last name but anyway but josh was considered to be like one of the premier wrestlers he was uh an all-collegiate wrestler in ncaa he was a champion of wrestling and george st pierre said oh i'm, I'm simply gonna out wrestle him and josh uh uh hoschek oh, anyway, i'm forgetting his name anyway um, so anyway, so Josh said, George St. Pierre said he's going to wrestle me. Please, I am the wrestler. And what happened? George St. Pierre went in there and put on a wrestling clinic and just dominated him. Dominated him in wrestling. Like, if, if George St. Pierre wanted the fight on the ground, the fight was going to go to the ground. It was just that simple. He was a beautiful fluid striker, but he was also one of the smartest... Um, combatants in the in the UFC he just knew what was the best way to beat this guy and if it was beating their face into a bloody pulp uh, like he did to a number of fighters then that's what he would do if it was I'm going to be patient and outlast this guy and outpoint this guy then that's what he was going to do. If it was if it was my best chance of beating this guy is to out-wrestle him, then that's what he would do. If it was my best chance at this is try to strike with him, then that's what he would do. And he was just unbelievable. He was just so great. Um, so he's my favorite. Randy Couture, obviously I'm a little bit biased, but Randy Couture is obviously one of my all-time favorites. Um, boy, there, there are a bunch of guys I really like an awful lot like right uh, right now. But who would I say is in my top three, pound for pound right now? Um, Guys, it's hard. It's hard to debate against Mighty Mouse. Uh, Demetrius Johnson, I mean, there is simply nobody who is dominating and continues to thoroughly dominate his division like Demetrius Johnson does. And because he's flyweight, not a lot of people pay attention to the super, super lightweights. And because he's flyweight, I don't think he doesn't get the attention. But oh my God, he's just, he is an unbelievable combat machine. I mean, Joe Rogan, who, I mean, whatever your opinion is of Joe Joe Rogan, he certainly has valid opinions about the world of mixed martial arts. Like Joe Rogan is, is suggesting he thinks Demetrius Johnson might be the best combat fighter in the history of combat sports. And look, when you watch him fight, man, like I'm not a big Demetrius Johnson fan or anything, but when you watch him fight, it is difficult to argue against that. It is really hard to argue against that. So I'm going to go at number one is Mighty Mouse, is uh, Demetrius Johnson at Flyweight. My number two right now, he's only fought once in the last forever because of injury, but I actually think number two right now is Dominic Cruz. This guy... I mean, he was out forever due to injury, and then he came back to fight the current champion, TJ Dillashaw, and he just was one step ahead of TJ – the at the time, the current champion at the time, he was just one step ahead of TJ Dillashaw every step of the way. He was just a little quicker on the draw. He was just one – like mentally, he was one step ahead of him the whole way. It was a great fight. Uh, TJ was great in the fight too. Went to a decision, but I mean, it was obvious that Dominic Cruz was going to win that fight. Um, So I would personally say Dominic Cruz uh, would be my number two ranked pound for pound guy. And right now, my number three ranked uh, pound for pound guy is going to be Luke Rockhold. the, uh, uh, The brand new champ, man. The brand new middleweight champ. And not a lot of people, and I don't know why they didn't, Give him, a, a, you know, a chance against Chris Weidman, who I was getting close to putting Chris Weidman in my top three. That dude's a beast, and I cannot wait for the rematch between Weidman and Rockhold. I think that's going to be an incredible fight. And their first fight was really good, but Chris made one big mistake. Rockhold caught him on it, which is what you need to do as a combat fighter, and he won the fight. And so. I'm going to put him in my top three as well. So my number one is Demetrius Johnson. Uh, number two for me is Dominic Cruz. And number three for me is Luke Rockhold. Now, some people might be saying, John, where's John Bones Jones? Um, that's a good question. Where is John Bones Jones? Because I just saw his last fight and he was not impressive at all. He won the fight. He clearly won his fight. But, I mean, even he said he didn't look good. He knows he didn't look good. And when you put on a performance like that against a guy who was clearly three steps below him quality wise, like he he got that fight against St. Prove, and he should have dominated that fight. And he didn't. And as a matter of fact, he was even in trouble in a, in a couple of moments there. Um, he should have dominated that fight, and he just did not. So uh, for that reason, John Bones Jones would still be in my top five pound for pound, but he's not in my top three. So I will still I will go with Demetrius Johnson, uh, Dominic Cruz, and Luke Rockhold. That's my personal top three pound for pound fighters uh, in the world of the UFC right now. All right, last question of the day comes to us from uh, Jay Silves 24, who writes, "Hey John, thoughts on Keanu's box office performance. Do you think Key and Peel will be able to make a box office hit? Um, good question. I mean, look, I am a fan of Key Peel. Peele. I, I like Key Peel a lot. Now, they're a little bit hit and miss. Absolutely, they're a little bit hit and miss. But man, when they hit, they crush. I find these to be two very, very funny guys. Um, and you know, I like Keanu. The story about the little cat. But the film only opened to about 8 or $9 million. Right now, after a couple of weeks... It's only at $15 million. As of right now, if it's theatrical run ended today, Keanu lost the studio money. But here's the thing. I think this is why I think people overestimate the influence and the power that television stuff can have moving over to the big screen. I think people overestimate that a lot. Like, Key Peel are great, and they're wonderful, and they're hilarious, and I'm going to go see their next movie. I'll, I'll see whatever they do next. I think they're super funny guys. But just because they were hits on TV does not mean they'll be a hit in the movies. And, and look, Keanu, it looks strange. I mean, guys obsessed with a kitten. I mean, it, and it's funny, but you just knew after you saw the trailers. this Man, I just don't know how good this is going to do. I really don't. And really, the movie wasn't that great. I liked it. I, I was entertained by it. But it wasn't, it's not going to end up being one of my three best comedies of the year or four best comedies of the year or maybe even five best comedies of the year. It was, it felt like a drawn out Key and Peele sketch. So I think um, any way you cut it, they got to look at Keanu and say it's a disappointment. Uh, not, a f- not a huge bomb because it only costs 15 million to make. So it's not a bomb by any stretch of the imagination, but I think you got to acknowledge, look at it and say it's a disappointment. But onto the second part of your question, the second part of your question is, is our Peel able to make a box office hit? And I think absolutely, yes. I think they are capable of making a box office hit. I think it'll come, but I don't think it'll come until they decide to actually write a movie and not just write another one of their sketches and make it an hour and a half long. Because honestly, that's what I felt about Keanu. I still enjoyed it. I'm glad I saw it. Uh, I might even see it a second time. But it really was not a movie. It was a Key and peel sketch drawn out to 90 minutes. And that's what it really felt like the entire way through. Even though it had some really big, bright, shining moments, uh, it just could have been, should have been better. Could have been, should have been better. Well, anyway, folks, that will do it for me for this installment of the John Campia Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Listen, don't forget, follow me on Facebook and on Twitter. Make sure you follow me. Stop what you're doing. Go and follow me on Twitter or on Facebook. You can find me on both places, at John Campia. Simple way to follow me there. Make sure you sign up for Comic Con HQ, where you can find my brand new show, Film HQ. I'm really excited about it. I love the way the first episode turned out. I think you will too. And you've got a couple of months for free to decide if you think Comic-Con HQ is worth your $5 a month. I already think it is, but you be the judge of that. So go sign up for your free trial right now and watch the next 10 episodes of Film HQ for free, 10 or 9 or 8, however many it ended up being. Go check that out. And guys, once again, don't forget my book. I've already forgotten about it, but my book, my novel, The Pride, is on Amazon right now, so head on over to Amazon.com and just search for the Pride and you'll be able to find my book there. Make sure you give it a check. And uh, yeah, that'll do it for me for this installment of the John Campia Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me, guys. My name's John Campia. Oh, and oh, I almost forgot. Do me a favor. If you like this podcast, do me do me a solid. Open up iTunes, find the John Campia podcast on iTunes, and just rate and comment on the podcast. That just helps me and the show out a great deal. So uh, that'll do it for me, guys. Thanks a lot for joining. Me, and until next time, bye-bye.